Well, good morning. Uh, we are on the eve of something that we've been doing for a number of years here at King Street. Uh, three days of prayer with fasting. And uh, we're inviting as many people who are able to participate. And um, fasting is not for um, whatever perceived um, spiritual elite are among us. Um, prayer and fasting is to be normal in the kingdom of God. You know, it was Jesus himself who said, when you pray, when you fast. It was not an issue of if, but when. And so we call our church family on a few occasions throughout the year, and this is one of them. Can't think of a better way to start the new year than consecrating ourselves to God and to his purposes. And um, so starting tomorrow, Monday through Wednesday, each day, 7 p.m. online over our Zoom platform, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday online, and then on, on Wednesday, we'll also do online and in person right here in the auditorium. So we would love to have you join us. Uh, fasting has been called a disciplined abstinence. And it's a way for us to remind ourselves that we don't live, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we don't do this for God in order to earn favor from him. We do this for ourselves, actually. Uh, we set aside time and we set aside practices or perhaps food, drink, whatever that might be. So for some of you, it's going to be coffee. For others of you, it'll be chocolate. Uh, for others of you, it'll be like straight up food for three days. Uh, others, it might be social media. Uh, there are ways we can give up things to regain control, right? The Holy Spirit comes. One of his, his evidences that he's occupying more and more space in our lives is that we have more capacity to be self-directive, uh, where we are more under control, under his control. Self-control is part of this. And so um, uh, we can give these things over to him and seek the Lord together. So I hope you'll come join us. Head over to kingstreet.org. You'll find the Zoom link there. One hour from 7 to 8 p.m. You'll find it will move incredibly quickly and it will be a wonderful way, again, of just uh, pursuing the Lord Jesus early on in, in 2023. All right, so we're starting a new series of scripture talks called Voices, and uh, we live in a culture, right, of incredibly uh, diverse competing voices. There's like a tsunami of, of um, media, social media, print media. Uh, there's all sorts of voices that come to us, personal, professional, uh, and, and we are engaged by a lot of noise. And uh, so we're going to spend the next uh, four or five weeks or so kind of working through this idea of what does it mean for us to be people of discernment? And um, how do we listen with a discerning heart to the voices that are coming to us? Um, how do we listen respectfully to the voices that we may disagree with? Um, should we give each voice equal weight in our lives? And, and how do we, um, again, respect, respectfully disagree with others, remembering that um, loud is not always wise and popular is not always prudent. I'll say that one more time. Loud is not always wise and popular is not always prudent. Would you agree with that? Sometimes the minority voice is the voice of truth. Let's never democratize truth. Truth is always truth. Two plus two always equals four. It doesn't matter if a large percentage of people in our culture say two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals four. 
That is true, regardless of how many people agree with that mathematical statement. So today, our teaching theme is going to be turning down the volume. Uh, I'm going for hearing tests every year now. Um, yeah, it's a sign of the times for me. It's, uh, I'm in my early 50s, just a young guy, wet behind the ears, right? Finding my way. My doctor says, you know, you need a hearing test every year. So the last time I went, my, um, my, my, uh, my hearing doctor said, you need some of these. And uh, I'm supposed to wear these, uh, not because they're a fashion statement, by the way. Some of you may disagree. Um, every time I, I, I cut the grass now, apparently I have to wear these. I used to see older people wearing these, cutting the grass, and I was thinking, like, what is wrong with these people, right? <laughs> and now I'm one of those people. Uh, and I'm not going to put it on for you today because it's not complimentary. Uh, but these, these are uh, probably a knockoff on Amazon that I picked up. But, but my, my uh, hearing doctor said, you need some defenders is what he called them. You need defenders. Okay, tell me some more about that. And he explained that I need to get some, some earmuffs like that to wear. Uh, there's something to be said for defending our hearing. He said to me, if you don't pick up one of these and wear them while you're around large or high noises, especially cutting the grass, he says, when you're 70, you won't hear anything. That was enough to get my attention. I have a little ringing in one of my ears. That's, so it's, he says, age-appropriate hearing loss. That's not a nice thing to hear when you think you're young. Age-appropriate hearing loss. Uh, Pia bought me these. This was a Christmas of, of headphones. And um, these are noise-canceling headphones. It, it, it's, I was looking at them on Amazon. I said, I think if I get any money for Christmas, I think I might buy myself a, a pair of these. And in God's providence, she'd already bought them. Isn't that awesome? You know you're in God's will when that happens, right? Uh, but but I, have, I can hit a, a special button on these things where it cancels the noise around me, so it's really focused hearing. Uh, sometimes... When we're at our best, we're not canceling uh, the noises. We're going in, exposing ourselves to loud noises. Um, we're, we're hearing all sorts of things coming at us. We're not exercising discernment. We're not defending, right? Just like the eye is the gateway to the soul, I wonder what the ear is. Um, there's a passage of scripture that goes like this. Let me read it just before we do our passage to ponder together. Go set a guard, Psalm 141, verse 3. Maybe you can find that for me. I'm out of order today, but that's okay. Psalm 141, 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So the psalmist says, Lord, I need your help. Because in other parts of Scripture, in the Proverbs, it says, Where words are many, sin is not absent. And now the psalmist says, Lord, I need your help. Set a guard over my lips. Because I'm prone to speak in ways that are not helpful. As Paul says, it don't benefit those who listen. But I wonder if there would be equal value in setting a guard over our ears, over what we hear. And as we start a whole new year together, maybe we should be a little more selective to what we allow, not just through our eye gate, but into our ears, and then watch what comes out of our mouth. All right, so here's our passage to ponder. If you're able, would you stand with me? Hebrews chapter 3. If you're watching with us online today, you can recite this with us as well. The words will be on the screen. 
Hebrews chapter 3, 13 to 15, would you recite this with me? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. The word of the Lord for us today. You may be seated. So today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he points the reader in the New Testament back to an Old Testament narrative where the people, the Hebrew people coming out of Egypt had become complaining and they had hardened their own hearts. And, uh, and so setting a guard over our hearts, right? Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Um, the writer of the book of Revelation, um, in fact, quotes Jesus. Um, there are sayings to these seven churches, and included in all of the Jesus instructions to the seven churches, says, he or she who has ears to hear let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. The Spirit has something to say to the church. But here's one of our big challenges. We are listening to some loud voices. And the voice of the Spirit that comes to us, we can't hear, perhaps, because we've inclined our ear, tuned the frequency to a different rhythm, And so for us to be able to hear what God has to say requires that we turn down the volume of the competing voices. Um, All right, so I have three thoughts for us this morning. Here's the first one, and I've already mentioned this, but it's so, so huge. Loud is not always wise, and popular is not always prudent. Loud is not always wise, and popular is not always prudent. Um, There is a principle in change management. Kerry Newhoff wrote a book about change, and he says, um, loud, those of you who want to participate in change efforts will encounter those who resist change or perhaps oppose it. It can be change at a family level, even your own intrapersonal change efforts, you will encounter resistance. But those of you who are involved in the workplace or trying to bring about influence or change in certain environments know this, that opposition and resistance is normal. But loud is not always large. Sometimes loud is just loud. Sometimes the loudest voices in our culture are a very, very small minority. But because they're loud, we think most of the people out there are saying and thinking and feeling the same way. Sometimes loud is just loud. It's not always large. And um, another principle that we're talking about a lot in our culture these days, and you hear about it, is my truth, right? My truth. I think what people are trying to say, however, they may be saying a few things. In a culturally relativistic world that we're living in, largely, at least in the West, um, there is the sense in which absolute truth is not verifiable, and so we're just pushing back as a culture and a society against that. And so now we've come up with my truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth. 
And I would like to kind of redefine that a little bit and say, I think if I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, what they might be trying to say is, you know, I have a circle of freedom and responsibility that I need to be able to manage. You have a circle of freedom and responsibility that you need to manage. And so if you kind of stay in your circle and I stay in my circle, let me kind of adopt my convictions and my view and my, you know, personal space so that we are living in a respectful world. I don't think they really mean that one person can say two plus two equals four and another person say two plus two equals five. I don't think that's what they're trying to say ultimately. If it's about congruency and it's about authenticity, then I say a big amen to it. Everybody should be able to say, well, this is, this is my voice. This is what's important to me and this is how I'm moving forward. And, and we should respect one another to be able to come to those terms. Uh, but to actually say two plus two equals five is another whole conversation. And, uh, and so for us, just because the voices are loud, don't equate loud with true. Loud is just loud. And it's not always popular either. Um, loud and intimidating, sorry, loud and popular cultural voices can lead to conforming behavior. Let me, let me kind of play this out with you. If we buy into this idea that loud is large and loud is true, then we will conform to loud. But if we understand that loud is just loud and it's not always large and we're anchored to the truth, then we'll be able to differentiate, push back, and anchor ourselves to what I would call biblical truth that transcends culture and time. Uh, In fact, Paul wrote a warning uh, letter to the church in Rome, and he said this in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform because there is a propensity. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but rather, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How you think really, really matters. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he says, don't go with what's popular just because it's popular. Sometimes we need to say, I'm going to throw on the brakes here and I'm going to go upstream. What do they say? Any old dead fish can go downstream? Right? The Spirit of God comes inside the church, the body of Christ, which calls us often to go upstream. We're going against the grain, against the tide, because the tide of culture sweeps us, right? The gravitational pull of the lower nature in this world dominated by sin and evil is to go this way. And the Spirit of God says, no, 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 there's another way. Don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Loud and popular cultural voices can lead us to conform our behavior. Loud and intimidating voices can lead us to mental health challenges, specifically anxiety and depression. Um, Mental health is a very, very real challenge in our culture. It's a very real challenge for many of you who sit in this auditorium today, either directly or indirectly. You're either battling your own mental health challenges or someone in your family or in your peer group, uh, someone in your neighborhood, a close friend, somebody is battling. Mental health is very, very real. I think it always has been. Uh, We just haven't had language for it over the years. But now, thanks be to God, we have language for it and we have research and we're able to kind of understand some of the dynamics and hopefully help one another get better. And in the church, please, let there be no shame over mental health issues. No shame over mental health issues in the church. We can talk freely about these things. To struggle with mental health issues is to be human. In fact, godly people who walk uprightly before the Lord, 
who have said yes to the claims of Christ and are doing their absolute best to follow him struggle with mental health issues. Do you believe that to be true? 100%. 100% that's true. There was a time in our history maybe when we didn't understand that. But I think we're getting better at understanding the fact that we are whole people. Jesus isn't saving souls. He's saving people. He's saving our minds, our bodies, our spirit. He's saving all of us. He cares about every part of our lives. And so um, there was a man in the Bible, well-known as a deeply spiritual man. And uh, I want to read this story, Mental Health Issues. And it was provoked by a loud voice. Led him to a place of great anxiety and depression. Um, Let me read this. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel. Ahab's the king. Jezebel's the queen. These are not nice people. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. This was after the showdown in Mount, Mount Carmel where the prophets of Baal had been put to the sword. Had done and what everything he had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, Here comes the big threat. May the gods, lowercase g, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid. This is a man of God, he's a prophet called by God to speak on his, befa- on his behalf. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He's heading for the exit door. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He's having suicidal ideations. He's at the edge. This is a man of God. Just saw the power of God demonstrated. Prophets of Baal put to the sword. Demonstration of fire falling from the heavens. He was afraid, ran for his life, talks to God and says, I wish I could just die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Very important principle there, by the way. Sometimes when we're not well, the most spiritual thing we can do in the words of John Ortberg is go have a nap. It's the truth. If you're physically exhausted, how can you be spiritually well? And if you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, right? You need to eat something. We're not at our best when we don't look after our bodies. We are whole people. Um, So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So our first point for consideration today is this. Loud is not always wise, and popular is not always prudent. So just because it's stated by the large or the loud group doesn't mean it is necessarily true. And so we need to be on guard for a few reasons, because truth is really important. And our mental health, in some ways, can be at stake. And our spiritual well-being can be at stake. All right, let's keep moving here. I've got two more thoughts for us. Here's the second one. The whisper of the spirit requires, requires lowering the volume of external noise. All right, so we've got these competing voices. They're loud. But we want to hear God. And so sometimes we just have to dial down the noise, a little bit of noise-canceling headphones, so that we can hear what we're dialed into or what we want to be dialed into. And so Elijah, back to Elijah again, it's the very same story, 1 Kings chapter 19. What happens next after he has this 
real burnout experience. Um, Elijah hears a whispering voice. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Sometimes God just asks us to consider what he already knows, but wants us to make friends with. What are you doing here, Elijah? God knew that he ran from Ahab and Jezebel, but he wants Elijah to know what he's doing there. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only, here comes the extreme thinking. I am the only one left, he says. That wasn't true. He felt like he was the only one left. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, he says. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Remember what he just came from. One chapter earlier, a demonstration by fire falling from the heavens. Dramatic, powerful, signs and wonders. It was eventful, right? He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, just like chapter 18. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a, you say it with me, gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave and the voice came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? God is saying to Elijah, all the ways you've experienced me in the past, they were wonderful. They were dramatic. They were signs and wonders. Fire from heaven. You cannot put me in a box and repeat all the experiences that you expect to have from me. Come out to the edge of the cliff. I want to whisper to you. I want to relate to you. Why is whispering so important in this text? Because you've got to get close to hear somebody whisper, right? Someone's got something very important to say to you. Sometimes they'll whisper in your ear. God has something very important to say to Elijah, and he wants him dialed in. He wants him tuned in. He wants to hear a person speak, not see demonstration of the elements around him. God is not a force to be recognized. God is a person to be loved. And this is what Elijah is learning, the whisper of the Spirit. Now, if you're here and you're new to church and you think, I don't want to hang out with these people because they're hearing voices. <laughs> That's not what I'm advocating for. Many of us in this room today could tell stories of the fact that God has spoken with us, but we never heard a voice with our physical ears. My mother has this really cool story to tell. She told us yesterday. We were celebrating her birthday yesterday. Um, she, it's her story to tell, but can I tell it? Where's my mom? I'm going to tell the story anyway. <laughs> she wanted something, okay? It was like a tea kettle or like a teapot. It was, it was apparently very nice. She wanted it. But they, my dad and my mom were doing an event for seniors here over Christmas time. And so they bought door prizes or giveaways, and they were for the seniors. And uh, so my mom picked up and said, oh, should I give this to the seniors or keep this for myself? Uh, she gave it to the seniors, right? But she, she really thought, should I go back and get that? Should I? I don't know if I should. I, I don't need it. Oh, okay. 
knock, knock, knock on the door just a couple of days ago. A wonderful woman from our church, I won't embarrass her. She knocks on the door of my mom's house. Knew nothing of this. There was a lot of teapots out there in the world, right? She went and bought the exact teapot, knowing nothing of this, put it in a bag, gave it to my mom, and my mom's like, holy smokes. <laughs> this isn't just a teapot, right? <laughs> Did she need it? No, she told me. No, I don't need it. But she wanted it. She wrestled with it. Here's what I'm making of this. God doesn't just always give you what you need. God sometimes reminds you that he loves you so much, he'll give you little things that you want just to remind you, I know what you want. I know what you're thinking about. I know what's on your mind. I know what's on your heart. Just little things like that. I'm almost embarrassed to share that story, and my mom was almost embarrassed to share it yesterday because this is a first world. That wasn't even a need. But God comes alongside us sometimes, and he just gives us little reminders to say, you know how much I love you? And I hope, that's why I said earlier, some people here, you could tell stories. That was more than a teapot. That was God's whisper to my mom, I love you. I love you. Have you had those? They're awesome. If you ever have had a moment where it's like, only God, you literally say, I can't explain this any other way, but I know. And what do they say? Uh, A person with a story to tell is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. A person with a story to tell is never at the mercy of someone who has an argument. Remember uh, John chapter 9? You guys can have all the theological debates you want till the cows come home. One thing I know is once I was blind and now I can see, right? That's the story. This is my story. I know what it was like to be groping in the dark and now I see. To somebody else, it's just a tea petal. Oh, it's a coincidence. No, 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 no. This is God whispering, I love you, Diane, right? Isn't that good? I love that. Sorry, Mom, I stole your thunder. Now you won't be able. It's a beautiful story. All right, so we've got Elijah. Uh, He hears a whispering voice. Samuel, we're not done yet. Samuel hears his name being softly called. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered him, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. So Eli's the priest, right? Samuel's like his young protege. Hannah couldn't give birth to, uh, couldn't conceive a child, but when she did, she gave Samuel to the Lord. Samuel's being raised up by Eli the priest, and Samuel's laying down for bed at night, and he hears God call his name. So he goes to Eli and says, here I am, you called me, and Eli said, I didn't call, go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, twice now. My son, Eli, said, I didn't call you. Now go back and lay down. In other words, go back to sleep. I'm tired. Stop waking me up. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me a third time. Then Eli went, aha. (laughs) He realized, he said, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Soft voice comes to Samuel. It was so soft, he thought it was Eli. He thought, it sounds like Eli's voice. It was, it was faint enough. He heard his name being called, but he, he didn't know who was calling him. So he thought, in the natural order of things, it must be Eli down the hall. Sometimes, when the voices are way too loud, and we haven't canceled them, God is whispering, and all we hear is the noise in the background. I'm going to give you some practical things to live by just before we wrap up today. But for us, number three, turning down the volume often requires getting away from it all, even away from good things. Getting away from it all, including getting away from good things. Um, there is a word that I have fallen in love with over the years in the Bible. It is uh, one of the commandments to keep the Sabbath day. Sabbath is a beautiful word to me. Sabbath literally means in Hebrew to stop. So God says, you're not slaves in Egypt anymore. You need to press the stop button every rhythm, every weekly rhythm. One day for you, for worship, for rest, for relationships, for restoration, renewal, all of those things. Stop. Quiet the noise. Turn down the volume. Riley walked into the house yesterday, and I was sitting in my chair, and there was no TV on, and I wasn't reading a book, and I had no music, and she probably thought, what's dad doing sitting in a room all quiet? <laughs> I said, Riley, I'm just having a quiet moment. When was the last time you had a quiet moment? No pad of paper to write anything down, no book. I did this once when I was trying to train myself in trying to be quiet. I set my alarm for 10 minutes. It was painful for 10 minutes. <laughs> just be quiet. I'm not even praying. I'm just being quiet. It can be a long time because we're used to being entertained by the noise. You know, one of the reasons why we're challenged by quiet is because it can be incredibly uncomfortable to be alone with our thoughts. Our culture and even the church, you know, we come from a tradition that has a lot of, somebody better say something, right? If we have a moment of quiet, somebody better step in and fill that in with something. Just being still and quiet before the Lord. I wonder how many benefits would come to us if we just turned down the volume, opted for some quiet, for some silence, and see what happens. You know what I think out of the silence, and I'm in good, good company here because I think Mother Teresa had a corner on some things. Mother Teresa believed that if you started with silence, the most natural thing that would come from silence would be prayer. If you could actually quiet your heart and be turned down the volume, your soul, those of us who are following Jesus, we would just naturally go there at some point. We would begin to talk to the one who is unseen and who's with us in the stillness and in the quiet. And she believed if you started with silence, you would go to prayer, and as you pray, you would have more faith because you're in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, who's a source of love, you would, have more, you, would have more, um, you would have more love for people around you. And then because you love people around you, you would serve them, and out of your service, you would have peace. But she says, what we want is, can you give me the fast forward drive through experience of peace? I want peace and I want it now. And she says, start with silence, let it be prayer. Uh, sorry, let it, let it be prayer, let it be faith, let love come after you're in his presence, then go serve some people. And after you've served them, oh, there's this byproduct of peace that's come and flooded my life. She called it her sixfold path. So maybe in 2023, we could 
learn a little bit from Mother Teresa and from the Lord Jesus. So two quick thoughts and then we'll wrap up today. Jesus went away in order to pray. Uh, Very early in the morning, Mark chapter one, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Any early morning lovers in the house today? Yes, you are my friends. While it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Early morning, Mark 1.35. Do you know what happened earlier? Verses 32, 33, 34. Jesus ends up going over to Peter's house. He's called Simon in Mark's gospel early on. And Peter's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, had a fever. He brought healing to her. Word spread in the town. The text says that the whole town gathered at the door of Peter's mother-in-law's house and he was healing everybody who had diseases and people had demonic spirits and he was delivering them. And then at the end of the day, he was exhausted. Goes to bed. What's he do the next morning? I gotta recalibrate myself. He goes off to find a quiet place early morning and pray. It's not just go off quiet, shut the world out and just, I wanna be, I wanna have solitude. It came out as a response after he was serving kingdom purposes in people's lives. Jesus went away in order to pray. And we'll wrap up with this. Jesus went away in order to process his emotions, to process his life. John the Baptist was Jesus' second cousin, and he had been executed. Every time we're tempted to believe that if we follow Jesus closely and if we live righteously, that it will always go well for us, read the story of John the Baptist. Sometimes you can do everything right, you can fulfill God's purposes for your life, and you end up having your head taken off. (laughs) So don't listen to the people who say it always works out. In the end, on the other side, yes. On this side, it can be really hard. And for John the Baptist, it was really painful. And for Jesus, he had some emotional pain And so he goes, after he hears the news, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, Mark, uh, Matthew 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, which is his second cousin had been executed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I just need to get away from all this. I just need to go away. I got to process my emotions. Fully God, fully man, he needed some space. Turn all the voices down. I'm not going to do kingdom work today. I'm going to let the kingdom work in me today because I need God to do something in me. Jesus needed to get away, to process his emotions and his pain. If he did, do you think we do? So here's our wrap up for this morning. The voices that are going to come to us are like a tsunami and it's like, it's like waves of the ocean and sometimes uh, they're just moving us around like crazy. The vessel of our life is being tossed here, tossed there. And, and, you know, sound is like sound waves. Let's think of that for a moment. You're out in the middle of the ocean and the waves are throwing the vessel around. It's very rare, is it? Is it not when you're out in the middle of the ocean to have, actually not, it's, it's never going to happen. You're never going to have tranquil waters in the middle of the ocean. It's a body of water that's rough and tumultuous and cruise ships go through it and you see it and it's like, oh my word. It's a, it's a pretty rough experience out there in the ocean. You need to drop an anchor. You need to get to the shoreline because the voices, the waves, the sound waves are coming at us and they are tossing us all over the place. I really do believe this, that the waves of noise and the voices that are coming to us are doing some damage to us. 
And I also believe that we need to cancel the voices that offer less value. And here's a way forward. These are suggestions for you, and you can, you can figure it out with God's help. Here's some things I'm practicing these days, and uh, maybe they'll, one or two might land in your own heart and, and give it a try. I am driving in silence these days. No more talk radio for me. I'm done. Every now and then, depends if the Leafs have won tonight, I'll, I'll throw on the fan. If they've lost, I'll leave it off. Um, but I'm driving more in silence. And when I'm tempted, it, it's amazing. Because I used to just go, as soon as I got in, car was on, boom, radio. And I started saying, I'm getting agitated by either the news stories or by hearing about an unfortunate Leafs loss or Blue Jays or whatever it might be. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to shut that off. And I would get out of my car after I got home or wherever I was going, feeling a lot lighter and more peaceful. And I'm actually having an acquired taste for silence. So maybe drive a little less often with the radio on, or even the podcast, right? We have podcasts coming at us from every direction. Just maybe drive in silence a little more often. Try limiting your exposure to the news to about maybe 10 minutes a day. Do you think we could do that, 10 minutes a day? I, I subscribe to an app uh, where I get like the big stories and I can read through it or watch a video in like 10 minutes or less. And it's like, oh, there, I'm caught up. I'm not an ignorant human in the world. I know what's going on and now I can move forward. But I don't have to be entertained by it. Remember this, guys. Remember this. I shouldn't say guys, everyone. Remember this, everyone. News is big business. The name of the game for news is eyeballs. Eyeballs and advertisers. It's the way it works. And so that's why every lead story is like, oh my word, I gotta hear more about that. It's always dramatic. And when we hear negativity coming at us over and over again, it's gonna impact us. And, and it's, it's not going to position us well for being full of faith in the spirit. And, and sometimes we're just getting toxic messages into our own hearts. And remember, when I grew up as a kid, news was reporting. News is not just reporting anymore. Can I go off on a little sidebar for just a moment on this one? If we look at our friends in the US, we have Fox News and we have CNN. They report on, on a story very differently. Have you, heard, have you kind of seen that, that happen? Fox News, CNN, very different. Uh, if you read the National Post or you read CBC, you're gonna get a different angle on certain things. All right? Um, the Toronto Star, Toronto Sun, there's a different editorial approach. And so, hey, watch CNN, watch Fox, uh, you know, read the Sun, the Star, you know, National Post, whatever it is, CBC, but understand their perspective. Where are they coming from? Okay, they're coming from the left perspective. Great, I understand that now and I'll read the article. They're coming from the right perspective. Great, understand that, read it from that perspective. But don't just say, well, they said it there. It must be the way it is. Commentary, commentary is also now part of reporting. Are you with me today? Are you with me? And this is a part of what's polarizing our culture, by the way. We can rebuke the demonic spirits till the cows come home. At the end of the day, if our minds are like sponges and we're not thinking critically, we could have a big problem. So I just want to encourage you to kind of sit up and say, where's this coming from? Where's this story coming from? And then remember, two plus two always equals four. It's just the way it is. All right, consider a social media fast. Now you're meddling, Pastor Dave. Now you're meddling. <laughs> now you're meddling. What would a social media fast look like for you from Monday through Wednesday? Could you survive? Where are the young adults? Could you survive? That's not fair to say that about young adults. You're just as addicted as they are, right? 
Social media. Wow. But Pastor Dave, I won't know what Susie ate for lunch. I won't know (laughs) if she put pepper or salt on her chicken. Those reels, they change so fast. I want to see what's going on. Anyway, consider a social media fast. And then I already mentioned, maybe try sitting in silence for five minutes and see if if you survive. I think you will. Um, All right. This is the first one of our voices. Um, if you're able, would you stand with me this morning? I want to I pray over, over you. And um, yeah, this is the world we're living in right now. It's loud. It's very loud. I hope when you come and you gather for worship like we do today, that there is a sense in which you leave here with more peace, not less. So anything we talk about as we open up God's word, it's intended to, to fill you up and to maybe put some of the toxic um, substances sort of out of us. And um, so I, I want to pray that you will help, Lord, that you will help us be quiet enough and to turn down the volume. Lord, give us discernment today. Pray that you would help us to understand where there are voices that need to be adjusted uh, where the volume just needs to go down a little bit. Maybe a lot. Maybe actually the power button needs to be hit. Maybe there are certain voices in our peer group um, that are loud and not helpful. Maybe it's in our workplace, our extended family, wherever that might be. The voices are there, and they come to us, and we've listened, and maybe not so critically, we've just listened. And uh, Lord, I, I pray again today that we wouldn't just put a guard over our mouths, but you would help us with a discerning guard over our ears, over our hearing that we would be people of discernment. Lord, make us wise. Make us wise. The times we're living in require great wisdom. Would you cause us to have your kind of wisdom, Lord? Uh, In our families, in our workplaces, in our conversations with others, and how we conduct ourselves in the world and what we believe to be true. Lord, there's a battle going on these days that is eroding and dismantling truth. Pray that you would help us to keep our nose in the good book, help us to stay rooted in the text, in the ways of God, And help us to uh, go upstream when required and to be people who are full of the Spirit, who demonstrate your character in the world. And uh, so, Lord, we absolutely love you and thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for the church, God. This is a beautiful place to gather on a regular basis to know people of same faith and who are moving in the same direction. Lord, thank you for the gift of the body of Christ. And we pray that you would make her strong, not just King Street, but all sorts of churches all over Durham, Lord. Make them strong. Uh, Thank you that we get to be a part of a big, grand community across all sorts of denominational divides, bringing us together under one head, Jesus himself. Thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise and thanksgiving in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.